What is up? What is good? How you living? How you doing? I'm just making it clap. Westbrook just woke us up with a big old clap. Uh, I'm going to find who my other NFL team is today, and hopefully I get a call in to endorse me after Westbrook just threw it in my face with Jerome Bettis last week. We have Ingber, we have Westbrook, we have week seven of the NFL in the books, and we now are getting a picture of who the elite teams are, but I could barely sleep last night because I watched Kyler Murray out Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, and it was shocking to my system to watch a quarterback not named Russell Wilson be down by 10 points with less than three minutes left and still pull it off. And I just need to know, Westbrook, if I'm the only one that's feeling crazy right now. No, you're not feeling crazy. You're not the only one. I, we know this. Kyler Murray is very similar to Russell Wilson size-wise, what he's able to do. I mean, he's certainly a better runner than Russell Wilson. Russell, you know, is a little bit slower. But I think they both have that one thing, that it, that thing that you really can't describe, will never show up in the stats, will never show up in the in the, the height, the weight, the arm strength. It's that, that will to win, that thing that you really can't describe. They both have that. They have that knack to go out there and find a way to win. You know, it, it was it was amazing to watch last night. You also got to mention this. Seattle defense, what exactly are you supposed to do? Because whatever that is, you're not doing that. I mean, you just look terrible doing whatever you're certain. What, what are you trying to do? How about that? Whatever that is, I'm don't waiting. do that anymore. I'm waiting for Jamal Adams to come back. He was supposed to come back this week, but he was those first few weeks. Yes, you could score on Seattle, but he also made a player to a week Sort of what I see in Miles Garrett, where like the defense overall is not great, but he gets that force fumble or that sack that's so big. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was the smile before the the touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins, and I went, "Oh, that's some Mahomes stuff right there." Or it it really it's the ease in which he gets by people that's so incredible. Um, the NFC West. Overall, you got the Niners going up there, beating the Patriots. I know Ingber's got a bunch of stats. The NFC West, all of them are over 500. All of them are beating teams. Ingber, what else do you got for me from from that game? Because it's really the most exciting thing from Sunday for me. Everyone's going crazy about Kyler, and I thought Matt Harmon had the best take on Kyler for the night. He said, the best way to describe Kyler Murray as a runner is that he routinely pulls off runs in the NFL that if people saw him do it in college, they'd say, well, he'll never be able to do that in the NFL. Yeah. I just yeah. love yeah. that take. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I mean, Westbrook, it, what what do you what are your thoughts on like the smaller quarterback, but also where were you gonna go? Well, no, I, I wanted to mention that smile. There is this thing, and this is important for quarterbacks to understand what the defense is giving you. There are times where you're trying to throw the ball, you're forcing the ball to one player, but there's other times where you get that one-on-one uh, you know, defense, that one-on-one with DeAndre Hopkins, and every time you get that. Kyler Murray has to throw him the ball. And no matter if he's open mm. right when the throw is or, or he's going to be open downfield, you have to give him that opportunity. And Kyler Murray continues to make the smart play. Those are the smart plays. Those are the plays that Russell Wilson always makes. That's what kind of – when you talk about the comparison of the two, when you watch them, that's why you have to start thinking, you know what, they're thinking on a different level. Their thought process is somewhere else that a lot of other quarterbacks across the league that routinely throw into double covers, routinely throw behind receivers, they have accuracy and they're throwing the ball to the right person at the right time. To me, that makes all the difference in the world. Cardinals are now 5-2, and two, and – Ingber, you had sent forward something that really made me think, which was props to the Cardinals 
for how to rebuild. Mm -hmm. This is a team that in 2018, they hire Steve Wilkes as their coach. They draft Josh Rosen and they get absolutely decimated. And within a year, they go, he's not the guy. They fire the coach. They draft Kyler Murray. They trade Josh Rosen. Now they're five and two in playoff contention. That was from, was that New York Giants daily? Right. That was their way, not of saying that they, the team needs to move on from Daniel Jones. It was just, they clarified later on that it was just a, a colossal failure of David Gettleman, right? That that's all they were saying, that a team right. can, in two years of very decisive moves, totally reinvent themselves. And, and look, I said before the year that Kyler could be that surprise MVP through the first quarter, and it's I got, I got worried for those two weeks. But it, it's also so funny how, this, how the NFL and results are so flimsy. If the Seattle Seahawks don't go offsides on the field goal attempt, yeah. then, Seattle, then Arizona's down three, or excuse me, down seven. But instead, they jumped offsides, they were able to go down three. If there's no holding on the DK Metcalf touchdown, Seattle's winning that one in overtime. It's, it's so flimsy, but at the same time, there are very few quarterbacks, I feel, that when they go up against Russell Wilson, I feel like they're on the same plane. It's like Mahomes. There's, there's really not that many other guys. And I looked yesterday and I was like, this is some mirror image stuff. And it really got me pumped. Did we see the best of Russell Wilson yesterday? I thought yesterday he made some throws and I was like, eh, that's not Russell Wilson making those decisions. He just made some uncharacteristically bad throws. Obviously he has a three interceptions. My my big fear for picking the Cardinals to go in the wild card was their defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. This is a guy that when he was the head coach, it did not go well. And what he did at the end of the game where he went seven-man all-out blitz, mm -hmm. seven-man all-out blitz, and then show it, everybody drop out. And your first pick in the draft, the guy that we had, Steven Ruiz, on this show, in which he was like, Isaiah Simmons has been an absolute bust thus far. Yeah. To put him in and drop him back, that I thought they really disguised coverages, and I would I would love to know how they defended DK because clearly Tyler Lockett was open and DK got no love all game. Yeah, you know there there is a times again where well let's start here over a thousand yards of combined offense, so both offenses were moving the ball up and down the field. We didn't yeah. see a bunch of defense, but the big plays in in this game matter. The interceptions matter. And we really, when you look at all week long, you probably could say this every week, but all the games this week, the key interception at the wrong time was a deciding factor in almost every single game this week. And that's the difference between winning and losing. Really, when you think about it, that's the difference between advancing in the playoffs, making the playoffs, getting that number one seed, getting home field advantage. All these small things that can happen throughout a game certainly make a difference. Um, you know, Kyler Murray got the best of them, but we I don't know that we saw the best Russell Wilson last night. It was a battle of 5-0 and teams in the AFC, undefeated teams, and I believe, Ingber, was it Scott Hansen who had a tweet about what happens when someone wins those games? That was actually just something he said while I was watching Red Zone. I, I marked it down in my notebook that when 5-0 and or better teams meet, the last four times that's happened, the uh, the team that won, which is the Steelers, they went on to win uh, to the Super Bowl. Not to win the Super Bowl, but they went on to the Super Bowl. Steelers came out right away, and I thought it went, this is the blueprint on how you beat the Titans. That first drive went over 10 and a half minutes. Uh, I think that they were the, the Titans had the ball for just a few minutes in the first half. They were down 14 nothing. And if there wasn't a deflected ball caught by Corey Davis that somehow turned, I thought the Titans were going to get really romped. It goes 27-7. 
And I wrote down in my notebook, I go, are the Titans capable of coming back on teams? In all of their playoff wins, steamroll the Patriots, steamroll the Ravens. They were even in the Chiefs game, they were playing from ahead. But when you have somebody like AJ Brown, you always have a chance because that dude is right up there with DK in terms of that TO body type of stuff. But what Westbrook, what did you learn from that game? Are are your Steelers are they are they definitely for real now? Are your Steelers yeah. uh, the cream of the car- the crop? Jerome Bettis and I have something in common. Not only uh, do we both wear the number thirty six, we both are Steeler fanatics. He's in the Hall of Fame. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure things out. You you know, my question going into the game, this game in particular, was this: What happens when the bully gets punched in the mouth? And that could be either way. That could have been the Steelers getting punched in the mouth by Derrick Henry, or it could have been the the Derrick Henry and that offense getting punched in the mouth by fantastic Steeler defense. And what I thought we saw, especially early on, was a Steeler defense that got off the field. They were like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We understand what you're trying to do. We're going to stop that. We're going to try to make – we're going to force you to win a different way. And they were able to get off the field. And that's why they had almost 37 minutes time of possession. You talk about third down conversions. Big Ben, here was a big question for me. That was what was so big. Oh, that, that, that was that, that was every huge. third down. And you're talking about in the, in the first half, they were eight for nine in, in third down conversions. In the game, they were 13 for 18, talking about the Steelers here. But, That's wild. Yeah, so, so they stayed on the field. But they weren't just – it wasn't third and three. It wasn't third and two. They were third and seven, 38, 39. They were converting long passes. And the big question throughout the entire offseason, as – as we saw pictures of Big Ben being looked like 300-plus pounds, was can he regain his form? Can he come back and lead this offense? No Antonio Brown. Who was Juju Smith-Schuster? What's going to happen there? Clay, uh, Chase Claypool showed up. You talk about Johnson, Deontay Johnson. He showed up. Juju continues to show up. Their running backs show up. But most importantly, Ben is showing that he can still stand in the pocket and deliver the football. Get the ball to the right guys, deliver accurately. Now, obviously, in the second half, those two interceptions yep. really, really hurt and allowed the Titans to get back in the game. But Ben and his ability to stand there and play strong from the pocket, to me, has made the entire difference for this football team this season. And that defense, you know, they're just, they're just a nasty bunch. It's hard to compare. Ingber, you got some stuff on this one? Just from uh, Chris Adansky of the, the Tribune here, the Steelers are opening up as five-and-a-half-point underdogs at Baltimore next week, which I just mm. thought was an interesting look given that the Steelers are rolling over good teams and might be yeah. the best team in the NFL right now. Five-and-a-half-point underdogs. Gambler brain goes, Steelers come off game of the year in terms of like undefeated teams battling, Ravens coming off of a bye, and when you have John Harbaugh after a bye, I can – I. I understand it, and at the same point, I would want to jump all over the Steelers. I, I will say that the Steelers' offense seemed to to put on the emergency break once they went up 27-7. to yeah. Ben was taking a little bit more risks. I also thought it was fascinating. When you have a guy on a fantasy team, it changes the way that you watch a game. You're looking at them all the fucking time. It's impossible not to. And so as somebody that loves Chase Claypool and has him on their fantasy team, I went, wow. Ben is looking at Deontay Johnson almost every single time. Thinking about Deontay Johnson made me realize something yesterday. Two things. One, I think I know who's going to the Super Bowl. Sometimes there are storylines in the NFL that are so beautiful that you go, this has to be our Super Bowl matchup. 
And that's what I realized yesterday after watching two teams, the Steelers and the Buccaneers. Here are the Buccaneers with Bruce Arians as their head coach, still probably upset about not being the head coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers. His offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, also worked with the Steelers, by the way, was also in the same draft as Big Ben Roethlisberger. Now the Buccaneers go out there and they sign Antonio Brown. And not only is Antonio Brown always connected to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he's related to Deontay Johnson. As I'm watching that game yesterday, I'm going, this kid Deontay is in the Antonio Brown role right now. Uh, I just... I looked at those two matchups with with Big Ben and Tom Brady, and I don't know what it was. I just kept thinking to myself on Sunday, this is our perfect storyline Super Bowl matchup, Buck Steelers. And they both looked the part on Sunday. Two very good defense, two older quarterbacks from the old school, you know, that have been doing it for years. And again, I, I kind of laugh at quarterbacks that were in the league when I was in the league, and I've been retired for 10 years. And Obviously, Tom defeated wow. me. So um, when you think about that, and, and you also have two offenses, and this is kind of what I saw from Tom a little bit yesterday, that want to throw the ball down the field. And I just didn't think Tom had that left in him. They want to throw the ball down the field, both of those offenses. So then they're able to make some big plays. I, I do want to mention this for the Titans. Oh, go for it. Before go we, for it. we get off the Titans. Three games in 13 days. I mean, mm. come on. And, and this is more so. Listen, when you're the team, when you're the team that's causing coronavirus scares causing? across the NFL. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm. They were the first epicenter of private practices and not using. They can, they were fined oh. 350 grand. Yes. I have no sympathy for you. If you brought this on yourself, just like I have no sympathy for the Raiders when John Gruden comes out and says, oh, I was I thought that this game was going to be canceled. And look, they're my guys. They're they're literally two of my favorite players in the well, NFL. This is not about but when sympathy. Trent Brown and Jonathan Abram go, go shoe shopping before a game and then the entire offensive line can't practice because their corona monitors were off, I have no sympathy if it's hard for you. Well, I don't. Well, no, this is not the sympathy side. But here's a question. If these two teams, Titans, Steelers, play each other under normal situations, you know, we saw right. the slow start from the Titans. Maybe they have a little bit faster start. Maybe that – because, listen, they're a physical football team. Playing three games in 13 days for a physical, nasty totally. football team has to be hard. I just want, I would have loved to have seen them under normal situations. And I, obviously the corona stuff, is, it, it is what it is. But I, I think it would have been interesting to see what it would have happened in the game if, if the situation was a little bit different. I came away again very impressed with the Titans. And and it's it's one of those things where I I think it was like 3 weeks ago I was like okay I got to take them for real and now I'm looking at it and I'm going okay they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender if they can figure out their defense yeah and if they could figure out their kicking game and that was the other thing I thought yesterday. Did I break Steven Goskowski? This is before either of you worked with me. Eagles went to the Super Bowl and I did a rant in which I compared the Eagles of 2017 to the Giants of 1991. <laughs> and I said that that Super Bowl ended with Scott Norwood missing a kick. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, and Steven Goskowski will miss a kick in the Super Bowl. And since he missed that kick against the Eagles, and they went on to win, he has never been the same. And, and I, I, I fear as though I broke him. Because yesterday to watch Big Ben's face where he was like, ooh, we kind of stole one yeah. here. 
And and to re- and Goskowski missed some big ones last week too, and he missed some in the opener also. If if on the Titans and they control the ground game and tempo and every possession's big because their defense isn't as tough. Jadavian Clowney doesn't even have a hurry. It doesn't have a sack. Like they're not getting there. They need that. I would be curious if they started going around and trying to to look for another kicker. But I I apologize if I broke him. Sorry. You did it. You ruined him. Ruined him for his for, for this season. I'll tell you that. There's no more um, faith in him. You got to win those games. What what you said also about uh, Tom Brady? It was the deep pass to Scotty Miller that I feel like broke the internet. Where it was it was the deep ball, and then the second thing I thought was, is Tom Brady steroids for really small white receivers? Mm. Like. I don't understand it. I feel like it's it's Edelman, it's Welker, it's Amendola, and then like the fact that his name is not Scott Miller, but it's Scotty Miller. I felt like Tom was like, I need to get this guy going off. Like I, I don't know what it is. It's he's just got this crazy connection. He knows how to find an open receiver. That's what Tom does. But I think you're kind of okay. right when you talk okay. about Welker and Edelman. Yeah, yeah, he does have a connection there. I, let's go. I to, let's go that. to our New England white expert, David Ingbury. David, what do you think of this? Look, man, you know you're not going to find a bigger Chris Hogan proponent. New England than white Chris expert. Hogan. <laughs> Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola. Like I could just name them all day, and they just show up off the practice squad, off the street sometimes, yep. and they'll catch two touchdowns in four games. And it's like you did your job. You gave us a good month, um, but some incredible stats for Brady. Uh, he actually, this is the first time uh, since 2010 that Brady has had a five game stretch with five. 15 touchdown passes and just one interception. He's done that twice other times in his career, 2007 and 2010. And it's happened mm. just once in Bucks history uh, in 2002. That's just unbelievable. And then there was another stretch here through six games. Patriots quarterbacks have already matched Tom Brady's highest full season interception total since 2011. Yeah. Ouch. Mm. Yeah. I got a stat I thought, for you. When I, and I think it's no, pretty cool. It. We're talking about the deep ball that Tom Brady's currently completing 42.5% of his deep throws. That means 20-plus yards. Wow. This is his best since Randy Moss. And, and this kind of – it'll go to a wow. point that I'll bring up later about the about the Patriots that they have no weapons. I mean, how, how well did you think Cam was going to play if they have the same exact weapons that they had last year? Probably worse in, you know, in their dealing with – but Tom Brady has weapons all across the field. He has – all the little short white guys, like you mentioned, that can go catch the ball and make some plays. He has Mike Evans. I think Ronald Jones, LeGarrett, uh, uh, not LeGarrett, but um, Leonard, Fournette. Leonard Fournette. Is, they're both playing well. And now Gronk has finally got in shape. And that weapon, that, that, that mismatch that he's always been, he continues to find a way. But obviously it's because the deep ball. The deep ball is there. Then everything else will, will work off of that. It's, it's pretty cool to watch. I, I – I think more important than the weapons because Godwin was hurt. Mm-hmm. Evans really hasn't been there. I think it's the best O line he's had in yeah. a long time. Yep. Every time I watch an Eagles, excuse me, a Bucks game, I hear the announcers go, "Tom Brady loves Ryan Jensen." They keep saying it, the center, and and I think when you look at that O line, how big it is, and Tristan Wirfs, the rookie, the fact that he has a powerful running game. And that defense, which is unbelievable, but it is the deep ball, which has been kind of crazy. I thought the dichotomy of Tom Brady looking that good and moving the team to five and zero 
and New England looking that poorly on Sunday was very shocking to my system. I have always been someone that has said, I'll take Belichick over Brady 10 out of 10 and twice on Sundays. And to see Brady pick it up like this and to see Cam Newton and and Stidham and everybody struggling the way they are, it really is this season is so big for Tom Brady's legacy. Nobody was going to debate that he's the number one quarterback of all time. I mean, with six Super Bowls and everything he's done, the way people talk about him. But to do this the year afterwards, it's like that super stamp. Joe Montana had some success outside of San Francisco. I think Steve, like, but sometimes you get locked in with your coach and you can't break free. This is an enormous season for Tom Brady's legacy, and and it's starting to look pretty damn special. I think it's an enormous season also for for coaches, for for offensive coordinators. Obviously, Eric Bieniemy out there in Kansas City, but for Byron right. Leftwich down there in Tampa, his ability to get Tom to get him up to speed without mini camps, without all those those little rookie camps, all that other stuff, just to get him up to speed and be able to play and compete at a high level. Obviously, the weapons, you know, they, they just don't hurt. But just to get the quarterback up to speed that quickly, it's just hard to do. Byron Leftwich certainly has done a great job. And he, he, if he's not in the consideration for a head coach this, this upcoming season, then someone's making a mistake. I would also like to add – I want to take everybody back to after week one where the Saints beat the Bucks, and everybody was writing off Tom Brady because he threw an interception. Yeah. And we sat here and I said, give me all of your stock. And I said, is it weird that I am more confident in Tom Brady than Drew Brees after this game? I look at the NFC right now. Okay. Green Bay's five and one, but... I think the I mean the Bucks literally just beat their ass. Seattle is 5 and 1. That defense looks a mess. Chicago is 5 and 1. I'm not believing it. Arizona's 5 and 2. That defense is a mess. The Rams are 4 and 2 and all four wins are against the NFC East. The Saints are 4 and 2 and it just doesn't feel great. I mean Tampa Bay is sitting there at 5 and 2 and I don't know who's going to make the argument that they're not the best team in the NFC. And I just, you got to remind yourself that after that first game, oh, they stink and he's awful and blah, blah. They are the best team in the NFC right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's pretty damn special. Their offense is clicking. More importantly, to your point, their defense is playing really, really well. They're a stingy defense. Levante David, I mean, so so from from an offensive perspective. Him and Devin White are special. When you watch those linebackers that can run side to side, that can check tight ends, that can intercept balls. That you don't have to take off the field on passing downs. I mean, it, it, it's amazing to see. I mean, it's, it's impressive. That defense continues to play well. And Dominican Sue, I mean, not that he hasn't played well, but he seems he's like a different person this year. But that's what winning does for you. That's what bringing a guy like Tom so Being Brady, around goats does. It, yeah. it, it, it changes everything. So that, that's, that's pretty We're going to get the stats from Ingrid. I just want to say, too, the Buccaneers losing Vita Vea and then trading with the Jets and no one talking about it and getting Steve McClendon, one of, one of the few pure big defensive linemen, and getting him immediately who played, who was drafted by Todd Bowles, mm-hmm. that, is, that is a Super Bowl move. 
That is a Super Bowl move when no one's paying attention because we're all worried about whether or not Will Fuller's going to get traded and you snatch a dude from the Jets for nothing. That's a Super Bowl move. What do you got for us, Sigmar? Greg Allman of The Athletic, uh, he wrote on Twitter, the Bucks have a top 10 defense now in nearly every statistical category, third in total defense, first versus the run, ninth versus path, pass, eighth in scoring, fourth in sack percentage, seventh in interception percentage, 10th on third down, 10th in the red zone. So just across the board, every kind of offense you can throw at them, the Bucks are slowing you down. Man, you know the great thing when you watch some of these great teams on offense, and I'm, I'm going to look up... David, see if you can look up how many points the Bucks have scored every game for me. But the great, the great thing about these great offensive teams is that they not only put pressure on your opposing team's defense, right? They put so much pressure on the opposing team's offense. So that actually plays right into the hands of this very good Bucks defense because now the opposing team's offense is saying, okay, we know that Tom Brady and this offense, they're going to go down and score points every single time. Now we have to throw the ball. Now we can't stay committed to the run. We have to make sure that we score points. And I'm not talking about three points. We have to score seven. And so it just puts so much pressure. I mean, just kind of the same thing can be said for Kansas City. You know that you have to score points. So you can't stay committed to this consistent run, 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 run thing. I got to make sure that we put points on the board. That means we have to throw the ball, plays right into their hands. Yeah, the Bucks are at about 32 points a game, and they're giving up a little over 20 points a game. So yeah. let me give you some perspective. The Kansas City Chiefs have a scoring margin over their opponents of plus 75. The Ravens have a plus 75 also. Right. They're tied for the most in the AFC. You know what the margin is for the Bucks? 80. Yeah. Number one, not even close. Makes sense. Uh, Thursday night, uh, we saw the Eagles somehow pull out a win over the Giants as Daniel Jones fell on his face. And I'm not going to sit here and act like that's enough for me to get on board with the Eagles, even though Jason Peters is coming back, even though Jalen Rager is coming back. And Brian Westbrook came on this program last week, and he got Jerome Bettis to come in and say, I will let him be a Steelers fan, <laughs> and I want another team too. Okay. So I'm bringing in a friend of mine as well. Is he on the line? I am on the line. Wow. Travis Fly, around of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, the big guy. Big left call. What's going What's up, on, guys? Bro? So, first of all, congratulations on the win yesterday. But I, I, I know I kind of told you what's going on. I This Eagles team, man, I can't handle it. I need another team to root for. Are you kidding? Uh, You're giving up it- on the game, Green? <laughs> I know that what your kind brothers of Philadelphians are you guys? <laughs> We're not giving up. We tough. just want options. Man, I'll tell you what, Adam, my brother, my brother's not going to be too happy with you, man. Damn. Giving but, up on the but game? You'd be happy with me. Giving up on the I'm game? Not giving up. So we got AFC options. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah. Those are AFC teams. These are AFC teams. Oh, okay. All right. There we go. There we go. That sounds That sounds a lot more appreciating um no but the, the eagles the eagles have shown you know what i mean that they're fighters man like if you look at what's happened to that team and you see you know the injuries and and, and the makeup of it and how it's how the season started right now they're fighting their tail off of these wins man and uh you know I'm, i, I kind of got a little i got i got a little juiced up last week watching them find a way to win it out there in new york or against new york uh especially the way carson was slinging it there in the fourth quarter 
That throw to Boston Scott was incredible. Really is there play. any part of you when you look at that team and it's only Carson and, and your brother out there that you just look at it and you're like, God, can, can somebody get them some help, please? You know what? You, you say that, but at the same time, you hope that the GM, uh, the coaches, the front office it does a good job about finding those, those fill-in pieces, man, because football, it is what it is, man. Mm. It's a physical game. You're going to get hit with guys, yeah. you know what I mean? getting banged up it is, it is what it is so i mean it's kind of up to the coaches to find those young guys that can that can fill a role they can they can learn quick watch and see what the guys have been doing out there on the field in front of them be able to go out there and uh, and make plays when it's time to make plays now i think that's what they got to be honest i i've seen so can, uh, I, can i be I've a chiefs fan? A lot of, am i allowed to be a chiefs fan Travis. Oh, for sure. Everyone, we, we invite them yes. all. You know what I mean? We're in the heart Take, of America. We're, just, we're a fun-loving American team, man. Travis, I, I, uh, I got to ask you, because when you talk about polar opposites, where you guys are at and obviously where the Eagles are at are polar opposites. With Eagles, they can't find a player to, to help them come off the bench and be that second or third string guy that could come in and help them right now. And they, they've won some games, but they struggled. You guys – you know, with so much talent, yourself, Tyree Kill, Mahomes, the, the rookie, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and then you bring in Le'Veon Bell, a, another horse that can go get it done in so many so many different ways. What does he add to your team, uh, a team that's already has talent across the board? What does he bring to a team that is so talented already? I mean, it just it just fuels you with more confidence that we got an extra horse in, in, in the barn that can go out there and you can give him the rock. 20, 30 times a game, and you're going to have success in the ground. I mean, it is what it is. Le'Veon Bell is one of the best backs in the league, and he's done that year in and year out in Pittsburgh and as well for a little bit in New York. And I uh, I mean, it's just exciting, man. The guy comes in, and he, he's, he's, he wants to learn. So he, he's, he's very energetic, high motor, um, working his tail off. He's finishing all every run. 20 yards you can see him sprinting during walkthrough I mean it's just that he's got a whole lot of energy and what it does is just it 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 levels up the accountability from everybody that uh and you can get excited for that all that all that energy that that type of mentality is contagious and uh and sure enough I mean it was it was on show uh this Sunday man him dirty Dan Sorensen big game <laughs> dirty Dan how about how about my guy Byron Pringle there it is it's like a free advertisement, man. We got to give my guys some Pringles endorsements, man. You got to leave this guy. How has he not gotten it already? He's ever since he's been here in Kansas City. Man. It's just been uh, a nonstop workers mentality, man. Just has been, has been through the roof with how he's been able to, you know, work through and, and kind of wait for his opportunity. And uh, it's, it's always good to see those young guys get in there and make plays, man. I, I have one more que I have two more questions, but they're both going to be short. My one question is, you guys, you get the interception, you get the kick return, but I feel like Denver's defense did a really good job yesterday. What, what were they doing that, that was tough for your offense to get clicking? Well, the, uh, the, the two previous times that we played them last year, um, they weren't as much of a blitz team. Uh, yesterday, they, they stacked the box, and they really forced us to, to handle the protections the right way, um, as well as get in and out of breaks quickly. And I think, I think they did a pretty good job of catch, catching us off guard in that, in that regard. Um, but on top of that, I mean, it's, you, we have to go out there and make plays as, as playmakers. I didn't have the best game in terms of getting open for Pat, especially in the red zone. 
and you know, you just got to hold accountability when uh, when it's there. You, you just got to be accountable for the guy next year. And uh, hats off for Denver yeah, and the, the defense beautiful. and the way to be able to kind of stick, kind of I don't know, slow us down a little bit in the pass game. Uh, but our run game did did good enough to where uh, we ended up coming away with a win. Well, that's why, you know, as a huge Chiefs fan, I get excited seeing the entire team come together. My last question as a as an enormous Chiefs fan now, Travis, is you know, what do, what do I really what do I really need to do to take my Chiefs kingdom fandom to the next level the rest of the season? What do I need to keep in my brain? Um that that coach Spags defense always finds a way to get better. They find, they find the, the mold of the, the characters that, that they have on that defense, and they, they, they kind of get nitpicky with how they're, how they're reading offenses. And, I mean, over the course of the season, uh, you'll see it in, in Spag's track record. By the end of the season, the, the defense is always playing uh, top of the league mm. defensive football. And uh, that's something you can always get excited about as an offensive guy because you know you're getting the – um, and with this time, with this offense and Patty Mahomes back there slinging it, man, it's uh, it's always a blast to get out there. Is there a cheer that I need to know? <laughs> uh, outside, of you got to fight for your right to party, baby. You ain't got to do nothing else. I fucking love it, Travis. Thank you for welcoming me to Chiefs Kingdom. I appreciate you, buddy. We're we're well, open arms for everyone, guys. Come on aboard. We're gonna have some fun. I love it. <laughs> See you, bud. All right, fellas, have a good one. All right, boss. Uh, that was Travis Scott. I'm officially Chiefs now. You're a Chief. So Chiefs Steelers, Westbrook. I'll tell you You're what trouble, you need man. to know about Kansas City. Some of the best barbecue that you've ever had in your life. That's what you need to know. That When you get out there, have your workout regimen already in place. Know that you're going to need to work out pretty much every day to keep up with your eating because you're going to be eating a whole bunch of barbecue. I'll never forget. Eat. We played it out there. Derek Thomas, you remember Derek Thomas, how good he was as a player. How can you forget Derek His Thomas. mother at the games, at the stadium, always had like a tent, and she would serve food even to the opposing players. I mean, beautiful lady. I mean, I can't even believe that she would do this. Even to the opposing players, show, served us food, some of the best food that I've ever had in my life, best barbecue out there in Kansas City. All right. So Westbrook is Steelers. Now is his second team. Uh, I am Chiefs. Um Ingbert, after the Patriots, are you looking for a second team or are you sticking this one out? Because we've seen this Patriots story before. Well, first of all, I think every time that you guys leave the Eagles, it should be noted that you're leaving the first place Eagles. I, I think we, need to, we need to add that in there. You are leaving behind a first place in pole position for a playoffs team in the you know midway through the season. So I can't abandon ship yet, but I do have a few things in the works of uh, I'm, I'm eyeing some NFC teams. I, I will. We're say a typical okay. Eagles fan right now. That's kind of <laughs> what we are. We're like, ah, screw them. They're in first place, but they're not playing well. Yeah. Just put some respect the on the two win first place Eagles. That's all I'm saying. The superstitious part of my brain goes, you know, when we gave the Eagles a funeral last year, I don't think they lost again afterwards. Mm. So there's part of me that's doing this for the Eagles. Um, <laughs> The let's let's do the Eagles game uh, from Thursday against the Giants. The Eagles have now beaten the Giants eight in a row. They have now beaten them twelve out of thirteen. They've now beaten them twenty-one out of twenty-five. I graduated college in two thousand eight. Wow! And in the the time since then, they've won eighty-four percent of the time against the Giants, which is insane. That game on Thursday was supposed to be a loss. Mm-hmm. 
That game on Thursday was exactly what happened at the end of Lions-Falcons. It's what happened at the end of um, Seahawks-Cardinals, where the Eagles really didn't have any right to be in that game. And they end up getting the W. And it's it's weird because for the first time in a long time, I thought, would I rather have the draft pick or the division title? And Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, because... I, I know what the ceiling is for this team, and that's why I just can't really get excited, and I think I might just be bah humbug. You know what that win did for this Eagles team? Um, it, it just prolongs, to your point, we know that this team, even if you get to the playoffs, or not, then we're not going to win two, three games to make it to the Super Bowl unless there's a miracle about to happen pretty soon. But the other thing that it actually did was it said, listen, we don't have to think about trading guys right now. We don't have to think about, you know, trying to figure out a way to get out of some of these contracts, which is kind of weird because we've never, we haven't been in this position for a long time where we're saying, hey, a trade, trade deadline time, we're trying to get rid of guys so we can get picks for next year. But if we would have lost that game, that would have been part of the mm. conversation this past week um, if you're an Eagles fan. The other thing, and listen, I got in a big fight on Twitter about support for Carson Wentz. And this is my position. I still feel this way, actually, despite having an argument on Twitter, that I expect Carson Wentz to play at the level that he's played these last couple of I expect that. This is That's the least that I think. Oh, is this because you tweeted out what a catch by Boston Scott well, yeah. and didn't say anything about the throw that went right by a defender's ear hole? Well, yeah, I, I was wondering about that. Well, listen – I don't have to say great throw. You're very biased to running back. <laughs> well, I, well I, I like I like running backs, number one. But Boston Scott is a personal friend. Boston Scott is a guy that he'll text me immediately oh, after the game and say, hey, how did I play? I know I missed a, 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 a hold on this play, and I, I should have done something different on that play. What did I do on kickoff return? So that I was giving props to a friend of mine. And this – just because you say a great catch to a guy doesn't mean that you take a, you're taken away from another guy. It was a good throw, absolutely. But again, I expect Carson Wentz to be able to make those throws. I actually expect him to be able to make more of those throws. I expect Carson Wentz to be a consistent quarterback in his fifth year. What we've seen from Carson is inconsistency. I, I think he can play oh. much better. And, and so, you know, I, this, this team continues to amaze me with their will to come back and fight and find a way to win. No doubt. There's also a big part of me, and Adam, tell me if you feel this way, that I thought coming into this game, the Eagles were so much better than the Giants. And for some reason, at the end of the game, we had to find a way to come back and score a touchdown to even to win it. And that kind of disappointed me a little bit. And I, I think it's because between the 20s, Carson's a top 10 quarterback. When he gets into the red zone, it all falls apart. The Eagles were in a position to be at halftime up 17 Mm -hmm. and it was missed field goals uh missed throws drop balls it was just a lot of it it was it it was a bizarro eagles giants game where usually the giants are the one messing up and then carson wentz is the one busting off the big run but i just saw so many throws in the red zone on thursday where he wasn't giving his wide receivers a chance to catch the ball that interception was absolutely abysmal I do respect certain parts of the Giants. I think their D-line is really enormous and tough. I think James Bradbury is an absolute stud. But Logan the Ryan's Eagles good. had opportunity. Logan Ryan's solid, and he's getting there. He got on the team in like the middle of week one. Yeah. But Carson's inability to play with poise in the red zone is what scares me because that's the part of his growth that we haven't seen. Him and Jared Goff will always be tied at the hip because they went one-two. 
And both of them, when they have a pocket, are great. Mm -hmm. But when Jared Goff is under pressure, he is an absolute fraction of himself. And when Carson Wentz doesn't have more than 20 yards to work with, he 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 has a hard time fitting those balls in a tight windows. Yeah. Um, he's he's great when you have a team like they have right now, where he's got to carry the whole team on his back. And my hope is is that this team reminds me of that 2016 team. That 2016 team had a really weird game against uh, Cincinnati. There were injuries all over the team, and they came back the next year with crazy depth. And that's my hope for the Eagles. That's why I don't have any expectations this year. My hope is is that by getting Nate Herbig time, by getting Jordan Maialata time, I don't even know who was playing left guard. That was a name that I had never seen before. Like, I'm being serious. Like, we don't have Dallas. It's like a Richard Rodgers at tight end. Mm -hmm. My hope is, is that the depth is so good for next season barring injuries. But I just – I don't have a lot of hope. For Here's my other thought for, for Carson. First 15, he played well. Play within himself. Five-step drop, ball out. Seven-step drop, ball out. Three-step drop, ball out. Then there are times where he just goes off script. And instead of saying, okay, this guy's not open, once I get to the top of my drop, after my five-yard drop, five-step drop, and I'm going to just throw it away. Option one, option two is not there. I'm going to throw it away. Then he goes into hero mode. Then he does a pirouette. Mm. Then he spins out and runs to the left and throws the ball across his body to the closest defender or throws a ball in the end zone where you should be going for a field goal. I mean, those are the type of mental mistakes that we can't, at this point, especially with all the reserves playing, with the defense playing, with their, how they're playing, Carson can't afford to make those types of mistakes. Those are like gunslinger mistakes. Those are mistakes that you make um, when you're just trying so hard because you feel like you're the only option. And I understand that, but he can't make those mistakes, especially with this cast of characters right now because the margin of error is so small. I just realized, you know what we didn't talk about in the Sunday game? DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker. Like, that Sunday game was one of the most... I just... That was so terrifying mm -hmm. to watch. Mm -hmm. The the one that it takes you back to is Ben Watson coming from all the way on the, the other side to chase down Champ Bailey and force the fumble, which is more incredible because as somebody that played Madden for a long time, Champ Bailey was always a 99 fast, speed. So for fast. him to get caught, yeah. I like never made sense. But DK Metcalf was hawking Buda Baker at a speed that I was getting frightened for Buda Baker. Like, I'm over here going, behind you, like it's Freddy Krueger <laughs> or Jason. That was like, and, and what's so sad as an Eagles fan is you go, we took J.J. Ortega Whiteside yeah. over that guy. Like, that, that's the sad, that's why I started thinking about him during the Eagles game. But that was incredible. You know, it's funny. So I've been, and I've never been on that side, obviously, with, uh, where Buda Baker was on the defensive side and getting ran down that way. But I've been caught from behind by guys like D. Hall, who was a 4-2 type of guy anyway. But, and so you're running and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm literally in sixth gear. This is as fast as it goes. And this guy is still gaining on me. There's nothing else you can do. The only thing that I would have advised Baker to do was just to weave a little bit. Maybe you tire him out or something. But there was nothing else you could do but get hogged down. Um, great effort by DK Metcalf. It also shows you the type of guy that, it, that he is. Remember, I don't know, a few weeks ago, he dropped the ball before he went to the, the goal line, before he scored. And he said, that will never happen again. I'm not that type of player. I'm more of a, a guy that's going to do the right thing all the time. This is, shows you the type of guy that, that he is. 
because the effort that it took, and this was what, in the second quarter? Was it first? I know it was the first half, right? I think it was in, yeah, I think it was the second quarter. I think it was the second quarter. I mean, imagine there are some guys that say, okay, I don't want to expend that type of energy now because I know my team is going to count on me in the third and fourth quarter. And if I do that, if I go chase this guy 114 yards like he ran on that play, I'm not going to have mm. enough later on. But he just said, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about that. I'm just going to go down there and make a play. And thankfully he did because if he, oh. he saved the touchdown. Literally saved the touchdown. Their defense gets a stop there. They get the ball back. I mean, it was a thing of beauty. All effort. All effort. The, the opposite of a thing of beauty is what happened on that Daniel Jones run. And to me, that was the New York Giants butt fumble. <laughs> like what the butt fumble was to the Jets – and, and, and this is the thing. I, I hate coming after Daniel Jones because I thought Sunday was a make-or-break day for a number of young quarterbacks in the NFL. I thought that Justin Herbert showed yet again he's the real, real fucking deal. deal. There's a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. I thought Joe Burrow came out, and I'm going, man, this guy keeps going. And I, I watch the Bengals, and I go, Burrow in nine, T. Higgins in 85. I go, this is Carson Palmer, Ocho Cinco all over again. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. But then I look at I look at um, Gardner Minshew, and I go, look, they were saying if he doesn't play well, he's going to get pulled. I thought he played pretty well. But I'm looking at Drew Locke, and I'm going, I don't see it. I'm looking at Sam Darnold, and I'm going, somebody save my guy. I'm looking at Josh Allen, and I'm going, what the fuck is going on right what now? What just happened? Like, you're fumbling. Like, what I said those first two weeks when everyone was like MVP, and I was like, this guy scares me. I, he didn't scare me this much. And I look at Daniel Jones, and I'm like, he's still diamond out to Darius Slayton. He's still giving his guys a chance. The fact that he was able to run the 80 yards, there's not – like, he's one of the better mobile quarterbacks – but that image was so seemingly pathetic yeah. that I was like, now he's got to deal with that. But I don't even know how that happens. Somebody tweeted at me that lactic acid was building up in his knees because he's not a, he's not used to running that fast. I don't know how your bot how that happens. How it happens is you're running fast and you think that there's another gear and there's not. That was it. That was <laughs> that was that was the end of it. And he didn't need another gear. Jalen Mills gave up on the play. Yeah, he he could have walked. He just when, when you when and I see it with my son all the time. So there's actually something that I'm watching him do all the time where you think you're you're it feels like your mind is going faster than your feet and at some point you'd be like, "Okay, my feet are like, oh," and you just tumble. That's a little that's baby Brian every single day. That was Daniel Jones. So so Daniel Jones had toddler physics yes. happen to his legs. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. What would you have for me, Ingber? Oh, what were you saying? No, but oh, to your point, I, I thought he played very well. I mean, he, he threw the ball well. He yeah. was accurate. He made some great throws, some, some in-the-hole throws. Carson Wentz did, too, in that game. Um, those are strong arm from the pocket side of throws. And if you can add in um, his run game, I mean, he played a really well, really good game. So I, I, no, no complaints from that, from that side. The line's a mess, too. Oh, yeah, they're, they're bad. Yeah, they're bad. No running yeah, game. Yeah, look, you were just asking how lactic acid can build up in someone's muscles, and I'm just looking it up online. It's the Corey cycle, uh, named after <laughs> Carl Ferdinand Corey and Gertie Corey. It's a metabolic pathway in which lactate produced by anaerobic glycolysis in muscles is transported to the liver and converted to glucose, which then returns to the muscles uh, and is cyclically metabolized. Wow. So I hope that clears it up for you. Cleared it up for me. You were... I think you were going to talk about a statistic too early. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> I also have that. I'm just here to answer your questions, you know. Um, 
You had mentioned Joe Burrow. Uh, this is from Field Yates. Uh, Joe Burrow is the only rookie QB in NFL history with 400-plus passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown in a single game. He's on pace for over 4,600 passing yards, which would shatter Andrew Luck's record of 4,374. Mm. And he already has five 300-yard passing games. He's the fourth rookie quarterback with five 300-yard passing games. And, you know, we still have over half a season left. When I watched yesterday... Joe Burrow continue to break records. And even though he didn't get the win, he looks phenomenal. As I'm watching Justin Herbert rush for the most rushing yards for a quarterback in the history of the Chargers franchise and throw moon balls that look like Warren Moon, and I'm watching all of that, the one thing I'm thinking about is Tua better show out. Because not only... Is he replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick, the most loved quarterback in the NFL, who has that Dolphins team at 3-3 three and three, and our Brian Westbrook going, why would you pull this guy? But the two guys that were taken in his draft class that he was supposed to be tanking for Tua look like bona fide stars in the NFL. All I kept thinking about yesterday was Tua better do it. Because it the pressure is going to be big time. Well, yeah, I agree. The pressure will be big time. I, I don't know that he just jumps out there and starts right away. When, when I think of guys like Barrel and and, and uh, Herbert, think about this. Think about the guys that are throwing the ball to. And, and I, I keep thinking, and obviously, I'm always going back to the Eagles. Like, who the heck is Carson throwing the ball to? Now, Fogum right. has played well, but. You're talking about Tyler Boyd. You're talking about T. Higgins. You're talking about A.J. Green out there in Cincinnati. Uh, uh, Keelan Allen, Keenan Allen out there in, in L.A. for the Chargers. I mean, Mike they have Williams, some. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they have some big time weapons. Some guys that can go get it. They're tall. They're athletic, and they can run. And I always compare that to the Eagles, but I also can compare it to who you just mentioned, the Miami Dolphins. They have some decent receivers, but they don't have those types of studs that some of these other young quarterbacks have. And when you compare, they're all better than the Eagles. I yeah, the, the 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 comparison between the three is, um, I, I would agree with you that Herbert has the best weapons and O line, mm-hmm. and that's why I we me and Ingber have been saying for weeks, jump on the Herbert Rookie of the Year train because he's got more around him. Burrow has better weapons than Tua, even though I think that Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, and all the tight ends, their service, they're definitely better than the Eagles yeah. right now. But the the Bengals O line is so bad. They Jonah Williams had a neck injury; he missed a few snaps. Their center was out. They just traded with the Bills for Quinton Spain to get a guard. And then I look at the Dolphins. The Dolphins O line is a mess too. You never want to put a rookie quarterback in with a bad O line, but that's why I get so impressed with Joe Burrow because I see the way that he stands in the pocket and takes the hit. And I, I've seen this with a lot of rookie quarterbacks. They go in there and they get beat to shit. But, man, the kid is special. Playing he well, really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the, the other games yesterday, I want to give respect to an offensive and defensive guy. Devontae Adams goes out there after a few weeks and puts up 198 and two touchdowns and looks absolutely uncoverable. Mm-hmm. For some people that go, how can that happen? One, Texans defense isn't great, too. I was hearing Greg Rosenthal talk about this. The Texans are a defense that will take their number one corner, Bradley Roby, and will put him on their number one wide receiver and follow him everywhere. Well, Bradley Roby got hurt in the middle of the game. So Devontae Adams feasted. But he looks bigger and stronger and faster than he ever has. 
And his connection with Aaron Rodgers is Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett esque, mm-hmm. where they just they they've been together for so long that it's magical. And on the defensive side of the ball, Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett now. Uh, much like Ingber, I'll listen to Scott Hansen on red zone. Every time he gets a sack, Scott Hansen goes, you know, Miles Garrett per game. Sa- I interviewed CJ McCullum last week, and even he was like, you know, if you look at a per game basis with sacks, Miles Garrett every game, sack, forced fumble every single week. And I feel like those two guys I wanted to give special props to Devontae Adams and Miles Garrett, just an appreciation for what they're doing and, and and the fact that they don't get love. It's either Aaron Donald is overshadowing Miles Garrett or Devontae Adams is fighting with people about whether or not he's a top five wide receiver. They deserve it. You know, I was watching Devontae Adams in that game yesterday, and I wrote this down. How do you stop Devontae Adams? And, and I, the whole game I'm watching and I'm like, well, there's no way to stop him. You can't play man-to-man against him because he's too quick. And most importantly, Aaron Rodgers' accuracy is so good that even tight window throws, he's going to catch the football. If you go zone, Aaron Rodgers will pick you absolutely apart. And Adams is good enough to find the holes. How do you stop him? I, I don't know that there's an answer, especially when Aaron's playing the way that he played yesterday. You know, I love Patrick Mahomes. I, I do. And I think Andy Reid does a great job with him. There's a part of me that still thinks that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in this league. I mean, it, it, just the way he – Really? It, wow. There's just this part of me that still believes that. Again, Patrick Mahomes has done it all. But I wonder if Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers switched place, places, would we be saying the exact same thing about Aaron Rodgers right now, about all the weapons that he has? He's just finding people to open because – I feel like he's kind of been pushed to the back burner, especially after the loss last week where he threw a couple of interceptions and couldn't really rebound. I, I wonder that. But when I watched his game yesterday, I'm saying Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. And it's, it's, I feel weird saying that because I feel like I'm shortchanging Patrick Mahomes in some way. Yeah, you are. And he just did that against the Texans. <laughs> I know, I know. So, and the Titans just put up like third. I get it. I the Mahomes to me is the most gifted quarterback and he he learns so fast. Rodgers is in that beautiful veteran quarterback mindset where the game is really slow. Yeah. And it's 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 not just the impressiveness of of his ability, it's the craftiness. There there's more seasoning on what Rodgers is doing and and it's yeah, it, it, he doesn't move a lot. No, you know Mahomes is rolling out right and throwing a fifty yard, and you go, "Wow, that's so impressive." Rodgers, it's like hop, hop, flick, and it goes by a dude's ear hole, and it's just a little bit more seasoned. You know, the I funny got- thing is when you watch their post game interviews, you're watching Patrick Mahomes just like a, a baby still, and he's just excited to play the game. And you know, we we won and blah blah blah. He just, he just, he looks great. But when you watch Aaron Rodgers, he's like, yeah. That's just what we do. I mean, that's I, I make those kinds of throws. It's just it's like I've been there, I've done that. That's who I am. It's, I, I just like his attitude. He's a little smug, which I don't personally mind. I actually like. Um, he's, he's just quality, quality guy. I, when did you turn from I'm bubbly, happy to be here, third round pick out of Nova, to I'm, I, I'll answer these questions how I want to answer them. Probably right around my third fourth year it was kind of like all right what gave you the confidence to flip well at some point there are times where your talking has to speak for your play because there are times where your play just can't i I can't i don't make enough plays to even for you to listen to only my play 
Then there were times where I'm like, all right, listen, you want to know what's going on and how, how I think about it? Go watch the tape because my play says it all. The way that I feel about the game, go watch the tape. If you watch it, then you absolutely know everything. And so then when you're answering questions, you're like, all right, you know, what did you think about this 40-yard run? I was happy about that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, great blocking, you know, all those things. It's just it's a different perspective because you're like, listen, my play is going to speak for itself. And I, I kind of believe Aaron Rodgers is in that mode right now. All you got to do is watch the play. Watch what you see on the field. I don't have Kelsey. I don't have the fastest man in the NFL. I don't have this. He actually does have a really good running game right now with Williams and um, Aaron Jones. But, I mean, they, they have a pretty good offense. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how things go for the rest of the way. I, I feel like it's a few things with athletes. Um, my first thing is, is I would be in these press conferences after a game and the amount of media people that rely on the stat sheet that was just handed to them mm-hmm. is often usually the most frustrating thing for an athlete. And I feel like my chiefs are a perfect example yesterday. I could totally see Mahomes coming in and being like, listen, you only had this many passing yards and Travis Kelsey didn't get going and the offense wasn't great. And Mahomes is going there going, Probably. Do you know how many times you guys ask me about when the defense and special teams is going to catch up to us and then it finally happens and now you're going to talk about what's wrong with me instead of going, this is a great team win? I'm also very curious with Mahomes because you talk about Mahomes' youthful zeal. He has to have a season where things go wrong for that to change. Rodgers has had those. Rodgers has had the being on an IR and the team goes 4-12, and 5-11. Rodgers has had the I'm carrying the team and the defense isn't there. We're 9-7. and seven, You are still picking holes in me. Mahomes has not only not had a down season, he hasn't had a down back-to-back weeks. No. Mahomes is out here with, with an MVP and a Super Bowl, and now they're 6-1. and one. Yep. And this, this is what I always say. It's like with Mahomes – we're baking in three Super Bowls already. You know, we're, we're baking them in. There will be a year that is a down year. It's just inevitable. It's the way the ball bounces in the NFL. And that's when I think it goes from super bubbly patty to like, now, now I'm going to get a little bit saucy on yeah. it. I wonder what he's going to feel like. I mean, because Aaron, to your point, he's also had, has felt the pressure of having to carry everything himself. That's huge. Patrick... In that way, I don't know that he feels that all the time because he has so many very good players around him. And that, that, that's the other part about how players feel throughout the league over and time. that's why I applauded Pat when people were like, he could have taken $40 million a year. It's like, yeah, but he actually, he's probably listened to the Russell Wilsons yeah. and the Aaron Rodgers who went through six-year stretches with nothing and was like, no, let's not, re- let's not replicate that. Right, right. But I definitely think it could change eventually. Um in, in terms of that Falcons-Lions game yesterday, I thought of you almost immediately because were you the first running back or NFL player to stop before scoring a touchdown? Yes, I was. Something that you talk about a lot. A pioneer, some would say. Some would say. Most would say. Almost all. Everyone says that, and I'm a pioneer of the play. My friends call you Pioneer Westbrook. <laughs> I, I tell you, it's it's one of those things. And when you're in training camp, when you're in mini camp, you practice these situations, situational football. That's why it's so important in the NFL. You practice these situations. Okay, we're up, and and or or in this case, we're down, and all we need is a field goal. We're at the ten yard line. The defense wants us to score. 
go score so they can have an opportunity to get the ball back and they can go find a way to win the game. What do you do then? Okay, you take a knee. You don't do it. Or how about this, offensive coordinator? We're on the 10-yard line. We're down 14 to 16, I believe, at the time. We're going to kick a field goal. It's a minute left. How about we just take a knee? How about we place the ball in the middle of the field and just take three knees, run the clock out, and then kick a field goal to kick a 27-yarder? How about we do that? Why are we running the ball at this point and not telling our running back to go down? I mean, these are things that I'm listening, and I text you guys yesterday, you and David yesterday, like, I had money on the game. All they had to do was kick the field goal, and I win. You had money on the Falcons? Yes. Oh, my God. I had money on the Lions, and I loved it. Hurt me. I loved Hurt it. Hurt me. Well, this is the second time in recent memory that the Falcons' offense is blamed for something that I think the defense should be blamed for. Oh, okay. Falcons score 28 against the Patriots, are up 28-3, to three, and how do you throw the ball? How do you allow – 31 straight points. Sure. My thing is, okay, you score the touchdown. How do you allow the Lions to go down when you've held them to like 14 points the entire game to go down and score? I totally understand that 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 happened and that he shouldn't have gone in. But I just think we let these defenses off the hook all the time. And and people are asking, is Gurley the reason they lost? No. The okay, fact that the Lions go. went down the Left go, you're not using a resultist mindset, are you? You're not looking at that defense giving up the touchdown and saying they made the wrong move and don't blame Gurley because the defense went out there and let up a touchdown. You're you're not telling me that I don't that know. Is that they're both resultists in a way? No. What you're what you're saying. What you've always Ooh, said is don't I be resultist. Love this logic. You're, you've always said don't be resultist. So what you'd want is for it Todd was Gurley not the right decision to make the mathematically correct. correct choice, which would yes. be to kneel at the, the five yard at line. the same point though. Using the Steve Bartman example with the Cubs, Steve Bartman goes and reaches the ball and all that, but he but they still had opportunities to not pitch like shit and get batted around. I'm saying is is that was not the reason the the Falcons lost. I would say the reason the Falcons lost is the Lions were, they still had a chance to stop them. And it was I'm not over. Todd Gurley is taking heat and rightfully so because right. he made a, he made a play. He made several athletic moves that put his team in a worse position to win the game. How hard is it Westbrook to see an open end zone and not go in it in this world of salary ramifications, fantasy pressure, how how difficult is it to see something that you've wanted to run into your entire life and realize I'm not allowed to do that? Well, I don't know what the um, incentives are that Todd has in his contract. And I, I don't even want to begin to think that he did that for the incentives. Right. He would have won the game if he had the ability. He, heck, he tried to do that. Um, but it's almost impossible because this is the one thing that you've trained into your head since you were seven years old, score. In end zone, cross that line and score. Here's the thing that has to happen. Your quarterback has to remind you, your offensive line, your coach has to remind you, we have this opportunity. When you watch that tape, when you watch the play, it looked like they were trying to tackle him. He almost got faked out. He almost got to the point where they were trying to tackle him. He was pumping, trying to get into the end zone, and then they just let him go. <laughs> and then You're he right. Just, he, he just, You're right, because if they would have moved out of the way, he, it probably would have triggered probably something in his brain. Yeah, he would have stopped. But they were, they were, I don't know what they were just missing or they were faking him out or whatever it was, but he was trying to get into the end zone because they were giving some resistance. Um, oh my God, I got 3 million tweets from that yesterday. 
I hated to see. Really? I, I, I think Todd Gurley is having a really good season, especially from what we saw him have year. last year. Um, I, I like that resurgence from him, especially with that knee issue that I dealt with my entire career. I hated to see him uh, go out like that yesterday. Uh, I, I wanted him to make the play to win the game, more importantly, so that I can win some money. But that, that's a whole different story. Watching Arthur Blank on the sideline, oh. having interviewed him a few weeks ago, I felt so bad for this yeah, guy. Yeah. And I was starting to think yesterday, what could we do to break this curse? Because, Ingber, what was the percentages that they were going to win in some of these games this season? I know that you sent that along, and they were just incredible. Oh, there's been like 99.6, 99.4. The stat that I sent out was just that it happened this week that uh, they were 99.9% against the Cowboys, 99.6% against the Bears, 95.9% against the Lions, and they lost all three of those games. I'm actually shocked that they were only 95.9% against the Lions. It feels like Neil, Neil, Neil field goal. That feels like 99+. plus Game. What can we do to break this curse in Atlanta? Do we go down in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium yes. with Sage and like get the curses out? Do we get like someone that can speak to the other side? Do we, we need, need a tarot need to, card reader? We need to create a Ouija board, but write it on a napkin. Because that's what Arthur Blank did. That's Big napkin guy. Yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, do we conjure spirits? I'm just thinking that like, maybe we need to get in someone that has the ability to speak to the other side and figure out like, was it built on like an old, like burial ground no. for, I know, know we got to I mean? do for, I don't know. We got to go. Remember Lou Williams went magic, to city. magic city. He went for one reason only to get wings. the wings. The only way we can fix this thing is to go to magic city, get the wings and eat them at the Mercedes Benz dome. That's the only way to do it. Now, if Lou Williams and the Clippers had won the championship, (laughs) but their loss was, they lost the, the Clippers literally pulled a Falcons. They were up three, one and they blew the series. So what you suggested just now was you just want to go to magic city and eat wings, which is not helping the Falcons. I I'm being selfish. You're absolutely right. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Anything that gets me more wings curse or not. Exactly. I'm, down with yeah. like that, I'm down with the wings. That's right. But I, I think they need to do something. They need to do holy water on no, the no, seats. Th- here's, but let know. me ask you this. I mean, here's the big question. And I think they came out this past week and said, well, no, we're not going to do it, but you got to ask the question. Is Matt Ryan available? Is Julio available? I mean, you have to have those, start to have those questions. Like, we suck. We're never, we're not going to win. We're more than likely not going to win with these guys. When I looked at, I looked looked this up last week. They're a complete rebuild. In Julio's 10 years in Atlanta, we're talking about the best receiver in the game. We're all talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback with Matt Ryan. He only has two. He is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. You don't think so? Get the fuck out of I here. I think he's a Hall of Fame. I think the numbers say that he is. But they, they, they only have two if division titles. If he's a Hall titles. of Fame quarterback, then Matt Stafford is like guaranteed first ballot. And I, I know that I'm going to say – I just – I think Matt Ryan think has is. no moments. I think the numbers say that he is. I really do. I think the numbers say that he is. Well, oh, listen, well, 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 he's one of the better I am, quarterbacks I'm in the league. anti-that. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the league with the best wide receiver in the league. And they should be winning much more. Many more games. Gore ran again. Ah, there you go. Okay. Anyway, what were you saying? I'm sorry, but you're thinking maybe it's time to just 
completely rebuilt? Or what you're saying Julio the last 10 years? Yeah, but no, Julio the last 10 years, they've only won two division titles in 10 years. With that combination, it doesn't work. It's time. Well, to do they were also in the same division as Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Absolutely. Which I think is tough. Yeah, absolutely. But Drew Brees and Sean Payton, there were a few seasons where they were nine and seven. Remember those seasons when Drew Brees, they couldn't get it yeah. right? Drew Brees took all the money. What happened then? Those are big mm. question marks. Uh, I just realized, Amber, we talked about the Patriots a little bit, but we didn't kind of really go deep. And I, I think um, I put out yesterday a tweet uh, about Kyle Shanahan's four games against Belichick. And this is – it's just I love Kyle Shanahan so much. I, I think what he's done the last two weeks – with all of these injuries to just beat the crap out of the Rams and Patriots out of Sean McVay and Bill Belichick is just a testament to him. But Kyle Shanahan now in four games against Bill Belichick, his teams have averaged 30.5 points per game, 428 yards, 154 rushing yards and 24 first downs. Mm -hmm. And when you think about his quarterbacks, Matt Schaub, when he was with the Texans, Rex Grossman with Washington, Matt Ryan in the Super Bowl, and Jimmy G. What I said this on a Niners podcast this week. I like the Cardinals a lot. I love the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams are pretty good. But how do you not buy stock in the Niners right now? The Niners to be doing what they're doing and knowing that they're going to be getting all of these guys back soon. They're going to be getting Tevin Coleman back. They're going to be getting Raheem Mostert back. <laughs> Excuse me. Their defense, they're going to be getting Richard Sherman back. They're going to be getting, like, the Niners are a team that has that championship DNA. Like, Westbrook, I'm curious, have you been on teams that they, it just didn't look like you had the pieces, but you're built different? I think our 08 team, where that was the year that Donovan got benched in Baltimore. We came back and smoked the Cardinals. Um, on Thanksgiving night, and we obviously ended up going to the NFC Championship game in Arizona, losing to the Cardinals. But we, we were just built different. We were a battle-tested type of unit. You, you know, the more and more I watched the team, and I studied that game last night for the, uh, the 49ers and Patriots, and I'm watching, watching, watching. And obviously, we all talk about the schemes that Kyle has, but it's not only the scheme. So the, there's, there's a couple schemes that he works with almost every single game, and he does it multiple times. But what he's doing it, is he has so many interchangeable pieces. I'm talking about one time is Debo Samuels, next time is Ayuk, then it's then it's then it's the running backs, then it's Wilson, and this or Yushchek. Yeah, Yushchek. Yeah. I mean, there's so many pieces that you put in different positions, and as a defense, you just don't know what's coming next. You have no clue. It's the same exact play. It's someone totally different about the run to the end around. It's something totally different in the flat. There's something totally different running the over. And of course, anytime that Kittle catches the ball, he's just a he's a man child in the secondary. It's just hard to handle. And all the plays look the same. They're all the same plays. It's really all the same plays. It's different people running it. So now you have different speeds at those same positions. Yes. So the linebacker that thought he can catch he can catch a juice in the flat, now you have Debo Samuels in the flat. And that linebacker can't play that same that same uh, position because it's Debo Samuel. He has more speed. It's a total different game. I think it's it's a it's a brilliant way to attack it, um, and Kyle continues to show that he'll figure it. He figures it out, injuries and all. He continues to figure it out. He continues to put his guys in the best position to win, and that's the coach's job. Find the guys that you have. 
whatever talent they have, let's exploit that. Let's use that talent to the, the nth degree and find a way to win that way. That's what Kyle Shanahan is doing. Ingber, like yesterday, the, the Patriots last week, they get beat. And I'm going, you know what Belichick doesn't do? Lose two games in a row. And to not only lose, but for it to be the greatest margin of victory in a home game under Belichick. That I there are look, we, we laugh about this because every year, right around week six, week seven, everybody starts calling for the end of the Patriots dynasty, and then we all get proven wrong. And and I'm just curious as someone that has been able to boast for so long, don't worry, we'll figure it out. Yesterday really felt like shit. You guys are missing a lot. Like it it, it doesn't feel like years past. What you were saying about the 49ers, where they're getting this guy back, they're getting they're rounding into shape. That is not the case with the Patriots. We are not getting Dante Hightower back. We are not getting Patrick Chung back. We're not getting Tom Brady back either. It's just guy after guy after guy that are they, they add up. You know, we're not getting Kyle Van Noy back. You're right? not getting Lawrence Guy back. He's not yeah. even on the team. Speaking we're, of guys. <laughs> we're just we're just at a certain point with a football team. You can get all these, you know, these young guys. You can get Cam Newton in there, but if you if you factor in COVID, you factor in injuries, you factor in guys opting out, guys leaving in free agency, they made their money or they got their ring with the Patriots, and then they they go out into the breeze. You're gonna have a couple of down years. Honestly, I was actually remembered having a conversation with my buddy Chris right after the Falcons Super Bowl, and I was like, "Look, man, that six and ten year is coming. I don't know if I'm emotionally ready to handle it, but I know it's coming." And that was four seasons ago. Like we got mm. four seasons of absolute gravy. After, you know, an extra four years of gravy from like 2012 to 2016, I I am emotionally ready to handle a bad Patriots team. And like I said, I don't know all the celebrities. How is it with Brady doing what he's doing? How does that impact you in addition to what's going on? Oh, it's great. It's great for the legacy (laughs) of like, we have the undisputed goat, like the goat of all goats. Like this guy could like waltz into, uh, you know, to to the Bengals right now and lead them to 12 and four. Like it just gives you the ammunition to say that Tom Brady mm. is the guy, because I'll tell you what, it comes down to the Slack channels here at Bleacher Report where people love to dump on Patriots fans. They just think we're whiners. They think we're babies. Right. They think everything's unfair to us, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, we're like, look, Brady's the goat. I watched him week in and week out. He's the goat. People are like, please, Peyton Manning's the goat. He just didn't have the same coaches. Watching Brady do what he's doing with a brand new uh, offensive system and, Totally new weapon. He he's he is an offensive coordinator, right? When the when the Bucks got him, Byron Leftwich was like, "Oh, great! I have another offensive coordinator that I can, I can talk to that knows yeah. every defense and every single strength and weakness of every opponent in the league." I, I mean, I love watching Tom Brady. If he falls apart, maybe I'll change my mind <laughs> because right. I'm on a whim and I'm emotionally fragile right now as a football yeah. fan. But I like watching Brady air it out and just have beautiful shots. I mean, he's he's almost got a better deep ball than Ryan Tannehill, if we're being honest. Almost as good. Wow. Can the that's Patriots big, still win that division? Big. I mean, do, are you are you thinking that they can still win that division? Yeah, absolutely. They can win it, right? They've got four losses on the schedule, and they still have to play the Jets, right? And they, they, Buffalo's they, five and two. Miami's three and three. The Patriots are two and four, and the Jets are zero oh and seven. I wow. honestly think it's a really bad move to throw Ryan uh, uh, Jarrett Stidham into the wolves when you're down the way they have the last two weeks like Jared Stidham hasn't gotten a chance to spend all week getting those reps yeah. game plan like we haven't seen Jared Stidham yet so for all you Stidham haters out, out there they're like he hasn't looked great of course he hasn't looked great. no one would look great when you're doing mop-up duty and the offense is already deflated you know like let's see what Jared Stidham can do maybe he rattles off a six and one streak who knows was the Seattle game the high point for the Patriots season 
Well, even though it was a loss, the game at the one yard line with arguably the best. But I mean, but I mean, you look at it. Julian Edelman is is ninety percent of his receiving yards for this season going to come from that game? Like, is Julian Edelman still? Remember how tired he was in that game? He was on the bench, like looking at Cam Newton, like what the fuck? And he (laughs) has not been right since. No, Nikhil Harry gets out of the game yesterday. There's no real weapons on this team. Um, I, I think it's it is funny to go back to some of those takes. Remember in week one or week two, where people were like, "The Bears and the Charge, all these teams should be embarrassed they didn't sign Cam Newton." And I'm looking at Cam Newton now, and I'm going, "Is that the guy that you were talking about?" Because nothing looks good. Nothing looks good right now. And I love Cam Newton. I really do. And then I look at this team, and and this is the reason I picked them to miss the playoffs. My issue with the Patriots was never about Tom Brady or Cam Newton. My issue was the fact that they don't have big people on their defense anymore. Mm. Their D-line and their linebackers, from when I looked at their roster before the season, are bare. And what I saw yesterday was a Niners team with Jeff Wilson at running back run for like 150 yards. And, and, and to me, the Patriots have always been, Tom, we're going to keep it close, and you make those throws to end of the game when it matters. And now they're going, Cam... Not only is it not close, we need you to be Superman. And that's just not realistic for this team. They're, but they also went from still a quarterback that makes almost no mistakes throwing the ball to a quarterback that is not as accurate and will throw the ball to the other team. So that keep it close. And he's holding it. I, oh, yeah. For a he, long he's not time. sure what he's seeing right now. He's not seeing the same type of things. But, you know, we talk about teams with all the talent at Kansas City and other teams like that. The, the Patriots didn't have enough talent last year with the GOAT. They lost all those guys to COVID situation with the opt-out um, on the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, th- they didn't get better. I would argue that they got worse. I mean, who are the weapons that you brought on? N- nobody. This is the same weapons that you had last year, probably a little bit less. And you say, okay, we're going to run the ball more. Well, you, you want to run the ball 40 times a game? Can you have that? Do you have that ability to do that? No, teams are going to say, we're going to stack the box. And let's see if Cam can win the game with his arm. And right now, Cam just doesn't have that ability, probably because he doesn't have a lot of weapons. And the other part is he's not very accurate at this point. I know that you guys have mentioned J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, that you could have had DK. I feel like Patriots fans are already murmuring about Nikhil Harry with that. He just hasn't shown enough of those flashes. I mean, could you imagine if it just swapped DK with Nikhil Harry on last year's team and give them that vertical threat? Yeah. It could be an entirely different offense. We saw what Stephon Diggs did to the Bills. It could totally reshape the entire geometry of your offense. <laughs> Speaking of guys that had a good game yesterday, um, Nelson Aguilar. Now, he he had a couple drops at the end, <laughs> but he had a couple catches. I'm like, He's oh, balling. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, it was, it was- did you hear the announcer during the game talk about the Eagles? I heard one snippet. What did- and the one thing, that they, one thing they said was uh, – Every time that Nelson played with Philadelphia, he played in the slot. And then he got to Oak to Las Vegas, and Derek Carr and, and John Gruden looked at each other and said, this guy's really fast. Maybe we should try him on the outside. <laughs> and it's just opened up everything. And you're like, you're telling me that for those four or five years, the Eagles never went, what if we try him on the outside? Right, right. I just... It's just one of those storylines that, like, if it's true, I'm embarrassed, and I, if I can't believe that it's true, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. He had a couple drops no, yesterday too, so that that kind of brings me back to the Eagles days. But if he caught some balls yesterday, I'm like, oh, that's what he can be. It better not that yeah. better not be the reason that he was playing on the outside instead of the slot. That's just poor management if that's the case. 
It is interesting though. The Bills at five and two, they don't feel five and two. They feel three and three, just the way these last few games have gone. They feel like they're going in the wrong direction. Do they feel? They feel like they're getting worse. I, I was wondering if the Chiefs broke the Bills. Where remember the Chiefs were playing the Bills and it was the really big game, and then Josh Allen was trying to match up with Patrick Mahomes and nothing was clicking, and. I, I think there are times where teams lose like those really big matchups and it just kind of hangs over their head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced that to add, add any credence to that. I, I think it's a real thing. I don't know that it's happened to us. I'm trying to think of something that has happened to us. I know we've gotten beat pretty bad, but we always usually bounce back. And I think Sean McDermott is the type of coach to get his team back. But the thing that's going to get you back is accurate passing, which Josh Allen struggles with a little bit of a run game. I don't know that they have that set in stone run game that they can depend on every single game. And defensively, they've been getting gashed in ways that I I thought the Sean McDermott team would be more physical in ways and and not be gashed in certain other ways. And they've been hurting. Their their linebackers have been beaten up. Yeah. And I think that was like center. Yeah. Uh, so the big game next week, Ingber already talked about it. Steelers Ravens. That is going to be. I'm not going to have a chance to talk to you beforehand. Uh, so what is your orig- your initial inkling of that game? Not thinking about the spread, but Baltimore coming off of a bye and battling it out for first place in the AFC North. So the the Ravens defense is good enough to turn it on and off, right? And when they turn it off, they're bad. We saw that in the second half for a fourth quarter against the Eagles. When they just shut it down, they just become complacent. They're just like, ah, oh, the game's over. So they, they gave us some points. But when they're good, when they're on task, which I know Harbaugh has had them on task with Dubai and then especially playing against a team that's undefeated, they're really good. And they affect the game in a total different way. So I, I can see the Steelers offense uh, turning the ball over making some huge mistakes. The question is going to be this. How long can the Steelers' offense stay on the field? We saw how affected they were on third down. But they have to be able to stay on the field long enough to give their defense time to rest. Because we know Baltimore's offense is about ball control. We're going to pound you. And then as soon as you think we're going to pound the ball in the middle, we're going to go outside with Lamar or outside with one of the running backs. And and so the the big question here is how long, for me, how long can the Steelers stay on the field? If they can stay consistently on the field, whether they score or not, worst case scenario is they should be punting the ball and making Lamar go 80 yards. But if they're turning the ball over or they're three and out, there's going to be a long game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Same, I agree, and that's why I, I wonder for the Steelers how how tough it's going to be to do that two weeks in a row. Uh, the Steelers were really able to shut down Derrick Henry for almost the entire game, uh, but in the second half, Tennessee, it seemed like once they got on it and Ben started having his picks, my big question that game is, will we see the impact of Yannick Ngakwe in the first game? You're welcome. Will this buy and him coming in, pairing up with Calais Campbell, Will they be able to get pressure on Big Ben um, without bringing a lot of blitzes? I know that Baltimore likes to blitz, but so much of Pittsburgh's throws are underneath screens, underneath slants, uh, quick throws that Ben gets the ball out quickly. Um, And then the other thing is, is the Steelers have a good enough defense because their edges in TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, if you're running the option, I feel like they're both athletic enough to threaten Lamar and not not be out there on an island looking lost. Mm-hmm. I think they match up really well with the kind of offense that the Ravens want to run. 
And I think what it's going to come down to is Lamar Jackson's going to have to prove to us that he can throw because you can throw on the Pittsburgh defense. Pittsburgh's defense is almost a pass funnel where they're going to shut down your running game. This is what they did to Cleveland. And then they go beat us in our one-of-ones. Go at Joe Hayden. Like, see if you can do it. Um, and, and that's really my question for Lamar going forward is to me, this is not the Ravens team from last year. No. I haven't seen it yet. I, they're, they're, the first week in the year when they beat up Cleveland, he looked great, just like he did in the first game of the year last year against the Dolphins. But until Lamar can sit in the pocket and really start dicing him up, I'm leaning Steelers again. Just because I think that that defense is that damn special. You have but, more faith. Do you have more faith in Lamar making plays or Ben? And you, you obviously well, got that's to that's the, the difference. Yeah, that's is the difference. I feel like with Lamar, it's all on Lamar, yeah. and with Ben, I'm going. You got Connor. You got all these different weapons all over, and they're a, a basketball team. Like the fact that Chase Claypool did nothing yesterday, mm-hmm. and Deontay and Juju woke up, and there's Ebron, and I'm I'm like. That that's how you stretch out that Ravens defense, yeah. but um, it's also the Ravens after a bye, so I'm not excited. Uh, let's make ourselves look stupid for when this podcast comes out. Rams, Bears, Monday Night Football. Ingber, we're going to start with you. Uh, what happens in the game? Jared Goff wins me my fantasy week by going for 48 points tonight. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're a little biased. Goodness. Nope. That's he knows, just what's going to happen. He knows exactly how many points he needs to win tonight. Of course I do. Uh, because you said that, I'm going to go opposite. I think that Bears defense gets out there, uh, Jared Goff, a little bit. Um, they make it hard on him, throw the football. And somehow, and, and, and I don't know how this keeps happening, Nick Foles just gets it done again. I mean, it, what, for whatever reason, someone's on his side that a higher power that I just don't know about or whatever it is, um, he gets it done again um, because of that defense. To me, this feels like a 1916 game, which is not great if you're looking for a 48 point turnout for a quarterback. Uh, I just can't get over the fact that when I looked it up, Jared Goff against the Bears in his career is zero touchdowns, five interceptions. Mm-hmm. I can't get over the fact that the strength of the Bears defense is in the middle of the D line, whether it's stunting Khalil Mack or Akeem Hicks and getting pressure right into Jared Goff's face, which is his number one issue. Um, and I feel like McVeigh might dial up something interesting, but Nick Foles is streaky. And so how do I see this game? There's going to be a little bit of scoring early. I think neither team has success for the second or third quarter. Nick Foles looks really bad to the point where they're showing Trubisky on the sidelines. But then Nick Foles does what he does, which is he gets into that other streak mode and he puts together two drives, Allen Robinson, and I, I think that the Bears squeaked this one out 19-16 on a, on a Monday night football that, that no one's really enjoying. Um, but that's how I see it. Did you p- predict a winner, Ingber, or did you just predict fantasy points? Predicting fantasy points is Selfishly. far more relevant to me. Yeah. Um, but I think in order to put up the number of points he's going to need, it's going to have to be like a 49-10 to 10 Rams win. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, I love it. Uh, anything else before we go, guys? I think you got it all. Beautiful. Uh, Westbrook is now officially an Eagles Steelers fan. He's a Steagles fan. That's right. I I am a Chiefs Eagles fan, so I am a Cheagles fan. Uh, Some would call us the Don Cheagles. And Ingber, do you want to wait and see Ingber, or are you going to try and come next week for an NFC team, or do you want to wait? 
I, I have some ideas. I, I want to, I don't want to say anything yet, but I, I have some ideas of who might let me into their fandom. I, man, I have to look at the schedule and see if the Cheagles face off with the Steagles anytime soon. For Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. For David Ingber. Don't ask your house guests if they're hungry. Just put out food. Mm, that seems like a specific good. shot at someone right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. <laughs> we have, my wife's parents were over here for the weekend, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ask them if they're hungry. I'm just going to put out the guacamole, and everyone's going to eat it. Come on. The in-laws are listening. Believe me. It's going to be a hard Christmas for you, <laughs> to, my friend. To, to that point, don't ask if you need to take your shoes off. Just do it. Do because it. nobody likes shoes in their house. You're, And if you do, you're the only one. One story before we go, because we went out and we had house guests, and we went out to dinner, and I'm going to end it on this. We're on 6th Avenue, we're at this restaurant, and we're outside, and it's really cold, and I'm really worried about restaurants in New York, because that was not enjoyable. But as we were eating, this dude's walking by, masked up, and he double takes, and he just looks at me, and he goes, football podcast, and that... And he's Puerto Rican, so I don't know where that accent was that from. Was that was like Russian accent. or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. But he literally like hopped over the fence, came in the restaurant to where the waiters were like, whoa, 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 came in and he he, he wanted to do a full dap up and I gave him the pound. And so like my fiance is weirded out. And th- these other people are like, what? And he just starts talking to me about football, which was which was fine. And uh, and then I was like, hey, so like, what's your team? And he goes, I don't really have a team. And he looked at my fiance and he goes, and I know your wife and, and I'm Puerto Rican. He goes, fuck white quarterbacks. I like black quarterbacks. <laughs> what? And I was like, I was like, you know, this is the first this is the first time I've really dapped somebody up, but yeah, fuck white quarterbacks, yeah. man. He's like, yeah, and then he left. And I was like, all right. I was like, so and I, I like I made everybody lift up their wine glass and I was like, fuck white quarterback. So I just I forgot about that story. I'm glad you reminded me. I'm the L E F K O E man and we all holla holla holla. <laughs> <laughs>